This is Point of View with Chris Berg. Good evening and welcome to Point of View. I'm Chris Berg. Thanks so much for joining us. Stay with us. Coming up here in just a few moments, he's going to be in Bismarck on Monday night. The one and only Charlie Kirk. He's the president founder of what's called Turning Point USA, one of the largest sort of conservative youth activist organizations across the country. He's going to be speaking in Bismarck Monday night. We'll tell you more about that and how you can join us. Also, he's the author of a book called The Mega Doctrine. We start the night though with Congressman Kelly Armstrong. He was kind enough to sort of step away from the House floor for a moment as we're doing some votes. Vote, so he's joining us live now from Washington, D.C. Congressman Armstrong, always great to have you. I know we've got for you a limited amount of time. I want to jump into just the safety and security of Americans. Big conversation right now after the very unfortunate shooting of Dante Wright and just about policing in America. I want to share with you what one of your colleagues said, Rashida Tlaib, and then we'll dive into this conversation. So I believe it was the day or day after uh, the unfortunate shooting of Dante Wright. If we can bring this graphic up, folks, for our audience. Here's what uh, Rashida Tlaib tweeted out. It wasn't an accident. Policing in our country is inherently and intentionally racist. Dante Wright was met with aggression and violence. I'm done with these who condone government-funded murder. No more policing, incarceration, and militarization. It can't be reformed. What say you, Congressman? Yeah, that's the opposite of helpful, uh, and it's completely irrational. And I hope, I mean, I saw that Senator Bernie Sanders didn't agree with her today. So if you've lost Bernie Sanders on some of these issues, hopefully you have a constituency of one with those thoughts. Uh, listen, this is a tragedy. It's terrible. It's all of these issues. I have done this stuff. I work hard for criminal justice reform at the state and the federal level, but we can't equate all of these things to the to be, I mean, the same motives, the same incidents and all of those things. But uh, Congresswoman Tlaib is just absolutely wrong. So President Barack Obama has talked about, you know, reforming policing as well in America. I guess let's let's start there. What are some suggestions that you have? I, I guess maybe a better place. Do you feel, because many people do, that there is a higher number or ratio of young black men that are being shot and killed by police than white men or other minorities. Do you agree with that assessment? Well, I, I mean, the data says what the data says. And I, I mean, it's higher than the rate of population, but it, is it higher than the rate of crime? But listen, that's not even really the point. It's not what do I think can be done. I'm doing it. Uh, I'm a co-sponsor of a bill with Hakeem Jeffries. Now, now, Congressman Jeffries and I don't agree on a lot, but we're on a crack parity and sentencing bill together. There are a lot of things we can do at the federal level, but we have to do it in a way that makes sense as to how law enforcement's delivered. And first and foremost has to be to recognize that the vast majority of criminal ju justice is delivered at the state and local level. Secondly, we need to ensure that anything we are passing doesn't make the job more different. And third, I think, and this is important, I think people should recognize, and I know this from doing this job for 10 years, that. We may have an audio issue here with Congressman Armstrong, so we'll give him a moment, hopefully, to reconnect with us. Congressman, can you hear me, sir? Hopefully we'll get him back. So uh, producer AJ, if you want to work on that, please, we'll get him back. So you hear him there. Look, he's working with Akeem Jeffries. If you're not familiar with him, he's one of the leaders in the Democrat Party in the House. Um, and so it's good that they're obviously trying to get some things done. I think where I want to know with Congressman Armstrong is so what are some of these reforms that we can make? Congressman Armstrong is a former attorney. He's been around these conversations for a long time. All right. He's joining us again. Uh, so Congressman Armstrong, if you want to uh, go from where you left off, please, sir, that would be great. 
I mean, so I'm on a crack parity and sentencing bill. We should sentence the same. I mean, at the federal level, one of the reasons that's a good bill is because there are a lot of states with uh, sentencing guidelines. Minnesota is one. And what we know that happens is even though most of the law enforcement is delivered at the state and local level, if you change the federal laws, oftentimes the states follow. The other thing is we need to look at things that I mean, we do. We need to look at things like bond reform in which we in, we get it back to safety and security of the community and likelihood of appearance at trial. There are lots of things we can do, but demonizing good police officers and demonizing law enforcement agencies because of terrible tragedies conducted by or committed by essentially one person in that department is not how we how we reform police policing in the United States. It's just not. I know that you're a big two-way advocate, and so I don't know if you can answer this question or not, but one of the one things that's really challenging for people in the Dante Wright situation, he was fleeing into his vehicle. Um, I know there was a warrant out for his arrest. He, it was a firearm situation with his warrant, and yet a 26-year veteran in a, in a police department says, hey, I'm going to tase you, I'm going to tase you, and, and can't feel the distinction between a taser and a 9-millimeter. Do you have any way to explain that? Yeah, I, I mean, no, I don't have a way to explain it other than it's an incredibly high stress situation. I mean, I will want to know. I mean, questions I would be asking from a department level is how much maintenance training do you do with your firearm versus how much maintenance training do you do with your taser? Uh, how many times has this officer been in those situations before? Listen, she resigned. And if not, she was going to get fired. The chief, uh, the chief was fired. Uh, she's been charged with second degree manslaughter. Uh, these things are moving. It is going that way. But I also want to say in this, I mean this for everybody, Chris, and you know what I, you know how I feel about this stuff. We need the process to play out and the criminal justice process to play out. There's obviously another high profile trial going on in Minnesota right now. Uh, I don't think the defense's medical expert did anybody a whole, did his side a whole lot of favors yesterday. But we can't, I mean, the criminal justice system, no matter who's charged with the crime, needs to play out independent of politics. And I'm really worried some of that's but, not happening right now. Well, and that's what I want to get. We're going to get to the Derek Chauvin situation in a moment. But I guess how I understand what you're saying. And yet I think you saw the Brooklyn Center city manager suggest, hey, this officer is going to get due process within hours after just suggesting due process. He was fired. Yeah, I, well, I so I believe in due process for everybody. I've argued for due process for my clients. Sure, I know, every, I, know, I, I, mean, I know that you do, but I guess what I'm trying to get at is, is that sets such an odd precedent, right? Uh, can, can, so, I mean, they're also trying to keep a city from burning down. I mean, and that's really, truly, I mean, you have to take this. I, I mean, I can't understand the different political pressures that every one of these sub-communities and communities in Minneapolis is going through right now. Uh, listen, I don't, I don't know if she should have been fired, the officer should have been fired or not. Um, those are, to be honest, employment and civil matters. I'm particularly more concerned about making sure people get due process in the criminal justice system. Everybody, right. this officer, to the defendants, to people who are uh, uh, I mean, being served with warrants. I mean, because you could also make the argument that I mean, these are these are just terrible, terrible things happening in a community that can't take many more of them right now. That's the thing. So a couple more minutes we have only with you, sir. The other thing I want to ask you is Derek Chauvin today uh, pleaded Fifth Amendment. What's your assessment on that as a former attorney? 
you're always allowed to plead the Fifth Amendment. And I, I would say in the vast majority of cases I tried, uh, my defendant, my my clients didn't testify. I mean, people can read into that from a political standpoint or a, a public relations standpoint all you want, but it is absolutely not an issue in a trial. It is a trial strategy. But the reason the Fifth Amendment exists is because you can't hold that against a defendant. And whether it's Derek Chauvin or any other case, it's the state's burden to prove the crime, not the defendant's burden to prove their innocence. So why the defense attorneys made that choice, I don't know. Um, but they did, and they have every constitutional and legal right to do it. All right, that's fair. Uh, sounds like the last question for you, sir, is this. I want to share with you the Drudge headline today and a couple other follow-ups with that and then ask you a question. So here's the Drudge headline. We were told if Joe Biden becomes president, you know, the economy's going to collapse, nothing's good's going to happen. Hopefully we've got the Drudge headline for you. Do we have that? Um, and, you know, he's been moving us towards socialism. Here it is. Uh, so it says spring boom, retail sales surge, stock smash all times high under a Joe Biden presidency who many people framed him as a socialist. Now they want to change the court from nine seats to 13 seats. There's a bill in the House that's going to come out regarding reparations. What I'm getting at is, is where in the world are we going as a nation right now? Well, I think first let's talk about the uh, court packing bill. I think that was um, introduced in direct response to President Biden putting together uh, the coalition to study the court. I think obviously people from my side absolutely believe nine is enough. I think people on the farther left than me think that, that what the president is doing isn't enough. The reparations bill uh, is going to move forward. You know, we had that markup in judiciary uh, last Congress. It continues to move forward. But uh, whether it's the start, I mean, we saw the economy recovering and being more resilient during the during COVID than people thought. We we know this. And this isn't just President Biden. This isn't any president we've ever had when the economy is going well. Uh, presidents are going to take credit for it because when it goes bad, they sure get the blame for it. Uh, look at President Trump. We have the best economy and stock market in history. We have a once in an absolute, hopefully five generation pandemic. And the economy obviously struggles, mostly because government asked them to not participate, pretty much everybody to not participate in the economy and the president gets blamed for it. So we'll see how this moves forward. But I'm just telling you the po I mean, what I will tell you is a guy who ran on being bipartisan has not shown any real interest in any bipartisanship yet. Well, my concern is, is America gone? If you're talking 13 judges, reparations and the, you know, what we're doing here with moving towards there socialism and yet the market's booming, it, it doesn't last last uh, comment, sir. I don't think the market thinks either two, either one of those two things is going to become law. There's a big difference between introducing a bill, marking up a bill, and then a bill becoming law. So, I mean, we've marked that up, and well, we passed the reparations bill out of committee last Congress too. So, I think the market, hopefully, the market's more optimistic about those things than you are, because I don't think either one of them is going to be law. Well, I, I don't either, but I thought the same thing about HR one and some of it. You know, you talked to Senator Klobuchar, and she's like, "Hey, maybe, maybe we got a shot. You never know what the parliamentarian is going to decide." So, Congressman Armstrong, we got to leave it there, sir. I know you're busy. We appreciate the time. Go have some fun on the House floor, okay? Uh, it's walk down, vote no. That's what we do today. <laughs> Thank you very much, Congressman. We appreciate it. All right, as we mentioned at the top of the show, Charlie Kirk, the founder of what's called Turning Point USA, large, large organization going out there. It's kind of an activist organization for youth, very conservative. He's going to be in Bismarck on Monday, Monday night. There's still, I believe, less than 100 tickets available. If you just Google Bismarck event Charlie Kirk, you can find an opportunity to get tickets there. If we have the graphic eyes, we can bring that up. But here's part one of my conversation with Charlie Kirk.
one of the things I'm hearing from parents these days are they are freaking out about this indoctrination system. So I'm curious, as you're traveling around talking to students, what's the most like pressing issue on their hearts that you hear them talking about the most? Yeah, well, first of all, great to be here and excited for our event. Uh, uh, as far as what parents are worried about, uh, they're worried that their kids are not being properly instructed or educated, um, being taught to hate the country and hate themselves and not be able to analyze the world correctly, not be able to think critically about what's happening in America. So this is part of what we're doing at Turning Point USA. It's one of the reasons why I'm going to North Dakota uh, with a lot of good friends there and one of my favorite states in the country. So uh, looking forward to coming. And in addition, I think this is one of the big issues that's pressing in our time. I, I completely agree. So you talked about the indoctrination piece. I mean, for parents out there watching right now, what would you say to them on, on how do you combat the, the indoctrination aspect of the education system? Yeah, it's not easy. Uh, the best way is if you're able to homeschool your children. I'm a very big uh, advocate of homeschooling. In addition, I think that if you have to work through the public school apparatus or through a private school, uh, it is making sure that your student is properly equipped with the truth and also being involved in your child's education, asking critical questions of administrators, of teachers. What is your child being taught? Why are they being taught that? Getting involved in school board races and elections and local races. It's not a one, one action equals a one result. It's many different actions that need to be put uh, forward from what textbooks are being taught to all the rest of it. More than anything else, we need to instruct our children outside of school about why America is a decent country, why our history is one worth studying, why our nation is one that is worth preserving. And I'm afraid that's not happening in so many schools across the country. So I was asking people that know that you're coming to town what they wanted to hear from you today and what you're going to be talking about. And one of the things, obviously, you, you wrote the book, The Mega Doctrine, about President Trump. Saw some of your speeches about it, which were fantastic. And the big question coming up is, you've got a good relationship with him. Do you think he runs again in 2024? We'll see. I, I met with him recently, and I don't think he's he's sure what he wants to do yet. I'm I'm encouraging to, him to be very involved right now to do public rallies and public displays of, of support to try to fix our elections in the key states, Arizona, Georgia, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, and Michigan. Whatever his decision ends up being, it will be the right decision. And if he decides to run, then I think he'll be uh, quite formidable and we'll put everything we possibly can behind him, we being the conservative movement, because uh, I think it won't be much of a contest if he decides to run. But look, I think it's too early. I think we have to fix our elections. We have to take back the House. We have to take back the Senate. We have to educate our kids properly. And then and only then can we have a discussion heading into 2024, whether or not Trump is going to run. We have to fix our tech companies. We have to fix our lines of communication through our media apparatus. And so these are things that are very critical, that are critically important to me. And look, he's a force to be reckoned with. He was a very successful president, one of the most successful of all time and definitely the most successful in my lifetime. So he'll have a record to run on. He has a base that is unparalleled and unprecedented American politics. There's also some negatives, obviously. There's a lot of people that don't like him uh, that will probably vote just to try to keep him out of office. So those things have to be calculated and put into uh, the decision-making process. But in the meantime, I can tell you he's in great spirits. But my one ask of him is please get back on the road. We need you right now helping reform elections in these key states. So talk to me more about that. What would you like to see happen? I know you're familiar with H.R. 1, what they're trying to do there. What should the Republicans be doing to try to shore up and increase the integrity 
to these elections. Because you look at polling, polling says, hey, Americans want voter ID. And yet you bring that up with with Democrats and it's like there's just no possibility that's ever going to happen. No, that's exactly right. So Georgia was a good start and their reaction from everyone from Major League Baseball to Delta to Coca-Cola has just been stunning. It's been extraordinary, quite honestly. And so we need to reform our elections even further. We need voter ID. We need to get rid of voting month in our country. We need to limit the amount of absentee ballots and mail-in ballots to just very special requests and special use and not have it be a widespread mechanism. And President Trump can be a big driving force of that. If he started uh, right now a series of public rallies and pushing the state legislators, because right now is when almost all the state legislators are meeting. I don't know how North Dakota works. I'm guessing you guys do not have a full-time legislature. I could be wrong. Most of the Great Plains does not. So it's just kind of seasonal. And so therefore, a lot of this legislation is happening. North Dakota, North Dakota is not exactly my focal point for election reform. It's my focal point for other reasons, which is why I'm coming. But I think that North Dakota elections are generally done, conducted rather fairly, whereas Georgia and Arizona are a complete circus. And so we need to end voting month. We need voter ID. We need to change the ballot custody. You have to get your votes coded on, counted on election night. Do what Florida has done in these major states, because what happened in Georgia can never be allowed to happen again, where you have relaxed signature verification standards, voter registration problems, ballots coming in from every direction. Then what happens is people don't trust the result, which is the real problem. And then people say, I don't believe the person in office is actually legitimate. That's bad for the country, regardless of your political affiliation. So both parties should strive to try to secure our elections, not try to make them more questionable. I mean, it's shocking when you look at all the different places that you need an ID and yet not to vote. Um, this is kind of a, a unique question, but I want to get your take on it with the lack of leadership, if you will, taking place at the border. And I think there's other arenas that you could make that argument today. President Joe Biden, which kudos to him, suggested, hey, I want to pull all the troops out of Afghanistan by 9-11. My ultimate question to you is, is who do you think is running the country right now? That's a really good question. I actually said today that Joe Biden decided to do something not awful. <laughs> now, why he's doing it, I don't know. I mean, I'm not going to give him the benefit of good intentions. I'm strictly going to judge him on the fact that we're finally ending an endless war. It's also more nuanced than that. Trump began the withdrawal and Trump took a lot of the criticism for it. Whatever. The war is ending. I'm happy to see it. More Republicans should be voicing that opinion. I'm happy to go toe to toe on anyone. And I'm not a naked partisan where I'm just going to say, oh, Joe Biden's president. Therefore, I want to perpetually occupy Afghanistan. It's ridiculous. And no, I'm not a supporter of Joe Biden. I'm the opposite. I'm a vocal critic of his. I'm glad you mentioned that, though, because I think we have to be fair and vocal with everything that's happening in the news cycle. But the, the border is a disaster. Uh, the pandering to corporate oligarchs is an absolute uh, it's a threat to our country. Who's running America? That's a great question. It's definitely not the people. It's definitely not Joe Biden. It's a collection of special interests with a lot of money and a lot of influence that want a very specific outcome for the country. There is more to that interview, so you can go to our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash POV now if you want to see it in its entirety. And tomorrow night, we will play part two of that inter interview for you as well here on Point of View. Now, I want to remind you, Monday night, uh, Charlie Kirk, myself, we're going to be in Bismarck having a great event just talking about the greatness of America, keeping America great. So come out and join us. Just Google Bismarck event, Charlie Kirk. You'll find a place there, a link. You can get your tickets. I think there's got to be less than 100 less left at this point. So I would love to have you join us on Monday night. All right, stay with us when we come back. We're going to get to your points of view. And as always, please share your point of view with us. You can email us, text us, leave us a voicemail 
We'll be right back. 